What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Free throw McConnell is missed. Sends the ball the rebound. Thornton trying to get up the right side. Thornton in trouble. Gets it off Holden. Snaps off a three. High on the right side. Holden knocks down a three from high on the right to give Ohio State the win. Tanner Holden gets the ball from Thornton as Bruce Thornton almost mishandled it. And he knocks down a game-winning three on the right sideline. Tanner Holden to give the Buckeyes a 67-66 win over Rutgers. How about that? That's the big play-by-play voice of the Ohio State men's basketball team and Ohio State football team. Paul Keels, who's with the show right now. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Alongside Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, it's the top of the hour, and we are happy to welcome in Paul now. Paul, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? There's that booming voice. PK, good morning, man. Good to talk to you. My pleasure. Glad to do it, guys. And I wish that that shot was uh, Sunday's game at Rutgers rather than December's win in Columbus. <laughs> well, listen, I'll get to Minnesota in a second. But are you surprised with Pico? Like, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, last couple of years, Piscataway has kind of been the house of horrors for a couple of Big Ten basketball teams. That has become a difficult place to play. Well, for those who've not been there, they seat 8,000. 8, it's an old college field house type mm-hmm. of place. It's a little dark and dank. Um, but now the, the job that Steve Peichel has done is one of the best in college basketball. When you think about how bad Rutgers was when he took over, you know, Eddie Jordan's last year, they, they were truly a pathetic basketball program. Uh, he has done a phenomenal job, brought in uh, international recruits, got kids from the state of New Jersey, and they play in-your-face, very aggressive physical defense. Uh, you know, it's like a dental visit when you play against Rutgers. And, and it, it it is surprising, but when you see how consistent it's been, you know, think about the pandemic year. Had the tournament, the NCAA tournament gone on, Rutgers would have been a single-digit seed going into the tournament, how well they were playing at that point. They're trying for what would be the first time in school history to get to the tournament for a third year in a row. So it's been a phenomenal job. Right now you'd have to say he might be the front runner for Big Ten Coach of the Year this year. Paul, go back to your team here. After falling to Purdue by just two points nearly two weeks ago, the Buckeyes have struggled to find their stride. I mean, What can you attribute this losing stretch to? Well, part of it was injury. They lost Zed Key not even four minutes into the Purdue game, but still had a chance to win it. Didn't play with him in a game against Maryland that they had a chance to win. And one of the things I think you've seen is just a lack of execution at crucial moments on offense. They're a team with the talent they have. They've shown the ability to be a very good offensive team, but you throw in those games, you throw in Sunday's game at Rutgers, you throw in an overtime loss in New York to North Carolina. It, they just haven't been able to make the crucial plays when they've needed to. Uh, the Minnesota game was probably their biggest uh, offensive struggle during the course of a season. And, you know, Rutgers kind of does that to people, but Ohio State did it to Rutgers. They played some pretty good defense for most of the game to keep that close. Uh, Ohio State's, uh, like everybody, it's not anything that's unique to the Buckeyes. 
a lot of newcomers. They're really relying on a lot of very talented freshmen. But guys that have had to learn how difficult it is to play in the Big Ten game after game against tough competition. Hey, so, and I and I know with Akpora going, you know, with what the, that matchup and and Sensabaugh coming off the bench. I listened to part of that radio show from Chris Holtman, and I don't think there's a level. He he came across as a guy that didn't do it for a sense of panic, but he it seemed to be thoughtful. How did you look at it? bringing Sensabaugh off the bench? Well, there was a couple of things that go into that. First off, it was uh, because of the matchup, they wanted to really get Isaac Likely in there just for defense. He's a yeah, guy with Akpora, right? So far shown, shown well, and, and Akpora, more than anything, uh, the concern was Zed Key with a shoulder injury to try and shrink some of his minutes a little bit. And Akpara really has been a guy that, as a freshman, has shown the ability at times to play some pretty good defense. But, you know, Cliff Amore is a tough matchup for anybody. I, oh, I think yeah. I heard one of the big the BTN TV announcers refer to him as the human pogo stick, <laughs> the way he gets off the floor. So, And, and then the thing with Sensabaugh coming off the bench, because he had started, I think it was the previous eight or nine before that, just to get a little bit of a spark coming off of it. And, and the thing that we never know, guys, is what's going on in practice. You know, is somebody maybe practicing better than, than someone else or not practicing as well as they had? Uh, but, you know, certainly what Sensabaugh did coming off the bench gave them a lift with Tanner Holden as well. So it'll be interesting to see then Wednesday night at Nebraska what he does with the starting lineup. But, but as you guys know, too, a lot of it's not about how they start. It's who's on the floor late in the game when it's a crucial point in time. How's Thornton's wrist? I mean, that's got to be part of it. As you, you've talked about health, you said it almost in the opening statement, trying to get healthy, which may make it easier to look at. Not all four games with losses are created equally. Rutgers was the only game in which you're relatively healthy. How's Thornton? Well, that's what we'll find out. Haven't, uh, we have not seen the team on the floor since the game Sunday. Uh, the anticipation was is that it would be better, um, but you know that that's positive thinking. So hopefully it is because he's he's an important part. But he's also a guy that you know as a freshman and a very talented talented freshman. Mm. Uh, if he's starting to feel a little bit of the grind of this conference schedule, I think you're certainly seeing at times some of the other players have as well, like Justice Suing. So, but hopefully Thornton's wrist is good because he's a big part of it. Let's talk Nebraska here, Paul, and we're, and we're talking with Paul Keels. He's the play-by-play voice for Ohio State football and men's hoops. The game on Wednesday, uh, a get-right game for both programs. You know, not being able to close in games, uh, that's kind of what I gauged from you has kind of been the Buckeyes' biggest problem, at least uh, in the new year so far. Uh, and maybe you can date, date it back to that UNC loss that, that you mentioned as well. What have you noticed works for the opposition, what could Nebraska really do to expose this Buckeyes group? And on the latter, what do the Buckeyes need to do in order for that not to happen? Well, one of the things that's given Ohio State problems is backcourt pressure. North Carolina did it. Rutgers did it, but not to the same extent. You certainly saw Minnesota and Purdue do it, and, it, and it, uh, Purdue more than Minnesota, and it had some effect. So, but, but I think we saw Ohio State better prepared for it Sunday when they played in New Jersey against Rutgers. What really works well for Ohio State is when they're sharing the ball and spreading the field. You know, the the last two games, they've been in single digits with assist numbers. And that's got to improve dramatically because, you know, they've got four players that average about 10 a game and a fifth, (coughs) excuse me, that's that's close to it. So if they can 
do a better job of sharing the ball and spreading it around. That gives them, and, and stay out of foul trouble, that's true for anybody, but that gives them a better-than-average opportunity to win a basketball game. Paul, let's get you out of here on this, because so, we've tried to do this for three weeks, and it's been even crazier since we first started trying to cap Big Ten basketball. And there were only two teams that we felt good about knowing their style of play. Actually, three if you count Iowa, offense versus defense. But it was Indiana with the two bigs, but they've had injury problems. No Xavier Johnson, Trace Jackson Davis, on and on. And Purdue. Everybody else has kind of been streaky. When's the last time you remember being in the middle of January and feeling like you don't really have a good handle on the Big Ten outside of a team or two? Man, you might have to go back to 2002, which was before Nebraska was in the league, when there were four teams that shared the championship in the regular season. Um, You know, right now it's easy to say that Purdue looks like they're head and shoulders above everybody. Michigan State has probably played better, uh, with the exception of their loss Friday night at Illinois. But, you know, Purdue has just got so many weapons, and not just Zach Eady, and he's He's difficult because how do you prepare for that? How do you practice for seven foot four, three hundred pounds, and a guy that can pass out of the post and makes most of his free throws? Um, you know their freshman guards are incredible shooters. Uh, they've got depth when you think about a guy like Mason Gillis coming off the bench and playing the way he does. You can't forget about Caleb First, who's six ten and can be a dominant factor underneath. Um, but you know, in my mind right now, and I have not seen Iowa yet. They come to Columbus on Saturday, and I know they're playing some pretty good basketball too. Uh, despite the fact that they're without Patrick McCaffrey, mm-hmm. uh, but right now, just looking at it briefly, it looks like it's Purdue and everybody else. But uh, you know, here's the other thing, and Chris Holtman talked about it on his radio show yesterday. Yeah, there's a lot of time left, and that's what people say when you know they're trying to get right. But there's nobody undefeated in the league right now, mm-hmm. so I think that tells you something. It tells you when you think about going into tough places to play. Uh, the challenge that's there, and, and Ohio State knows that Wednesday that'll be a feisty crowd in Lincoln, like it always is. So, uh, but right now, I'd say, guys, it's it's Purdue, and then everybody else. Paul, you're the best man. We appreciate your time. Hopefully, we can talk again soon. Thanks, Paul. My pleasure. Glad, glad to do it, guys. Appreciate you. That is Paul Keels, play-by-play voice for Ohio State football and men's basketball. Do you want a cool voice when you grow up? <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, right when he, I'd like, I'd right, like a cool you, voice. And you. <laughs> Here's an example, an analogy for those at home. If DB came to you and said, this is the best risotto you are ever going to taste. You have to go to this restaurant to get it. And you go to that restaurant, you would hope it lives up to what DB's saying. So in the break, DB goes, you're going to love his voice. He's got the deepest, the, <laughs> uh, the play-by-play voice doesn't just come out yeah. during games. It's every day with this guy. So my expectation was set. Like, pretty high for Paul to have a really nice play-by-play voice. And right when he talked, I don't know if anybody else could could hear my reaction. I was like, oh, whoa. That's kind of what, we're, <laughs> it's what we aspire to do, right? right. It's like, well, that's why, we aren't, uh, that's why we aren't Paul Keels. Yeah. I, we didn't even he's get one it. Of, he's one of, what, five guys that we have like that? Eli Gold being one of them? Yeah. I mean. Touchdown yeah. Alabama! Just with, the, with that, that, that voice. Right. And right. my man, Will Teeman. He got it. Man, well, yeah. Everybody awesome. has their unique voice, but Paul has the – he has the traditional play-by-play yeah, He's fantastic. Voice. We didn't even get a chance to ask him about C.J. Stroud. I wanted to, but, um, you know, basketball just kind of started taking over there, and 
you know, with the local game coming up too. What do you think took so long? Maybe he was busy <laughs> making oh. before he made his announcement. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, it's a foregone conclusion, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, for me, I, I don't know what he was thinking. Did did he maybe have desire to win a national championship before he I, left? So I wonder because sometimes people think it's a lot easier than it really is. Oh man, just go make your money. But sometimes people enjoy the well, college. And nowadays, experience. you can make money in college, opposed to you know before CJ Stroud got uh, there. You're, so you're absolutely right. He That's may have had point. more money staying at Ohio State if an NIL deal came onto the table than he would on his rookie contract. Uh, I remember when Wish Grant Wistrom and Jason Peters said that they were coming back. I mean, it was a game changer. Now they ended up winning a national championship. Right. Like everybody was hype over it, but it was like, wait, well, what? CJ Stroud like, comes back. You're, 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 you're coming back? Mm -hmm. If he came back, you have a good shot at winning next year. Oh, yeah. A really good shot because Bama's going to have a new quarterback. So is Georgia. Caleb Williams will return, so like you'll have to face. People off there, will put USC preseason right. top five, but they still got to get stops. They got to figure and, it out defensively. And they retained Alex Grinch, mm -hmm. who I think <sighs> made me cringe a little bit. Ah, uh, not like John Calipari cringe interview, but <laughs> timely. Grinch is kind of like I like analogies. Grinch, what do we? Uh, Alex Grinch's defensive coordinating prowess reminds me a little bit of Justin Herbert. You see it, shows you flashes, you think he's pretty good, and then some games happen and you're like, huh. I mean, his heart's two sizes too small. <laughs> he's a mean one. Wow. He's just happy that his coach says, welcome back. They got to figure out what to do with that secondary. They can't tackle. They they don't they're they, they're not very physical. They can't play defense. Listen, like, what was that's that? it. But I'm just, just telling you, the, the, the back end. You know, I I get inside the game watching that Tulane game, and mm -hmm. I'm an. Listen, my ne my next team that I would root for, it's my dad's fault, would be USC. So I pay close attention to them. They can't. And why wouldn't you? They can't tackle on the back end, and Tulane exposed yeah. them. I mean, Spears is fantastic. We've we talked about him ad nauseum. Probably the only station in Omaha, Nebraska, that's lamenting about two lane running backs. But hey, <laughs> as you say, I like the random running backs. Uh, you just, you uh, they just, like just can't, they're not the physical. They're not same as I was watching Dallas last night, and I because I and I'm on this. I'm on it not only because I coach it. I'm on it because four of the last six coaches. And I'll give it to you. Parker at West uh, or at uh, Iowa, Wisconsin. Uh, Coach Duhart and Coach Iowa at Michigan State, and uh, Coach Coop at Nebraska. They like full package defensive backs. If you can't tackle, you can't play. It's not just mm -hmm. about getting in court coverage, you know, quarters or palms or whatever you play, three deep, you know, shell. You have to be complete because when these teams get in spread, Drew Down, and you have two high safeties, they better be able to get in the box. So I pay close attention to tackling. The re one of the reasons we got our tail kicked at North Platte, we didn't tackle very well on the right. back end. <laughs> Right, like, right. 
Because when those guys don't tackle, it leads to big plays. Other guys can miss tackles, and some other guys can clean it up. So I'm just like on this thing, and I and I again to go back to Dallas and Tampa Bay last night, just to hear the pad cracking and watching Tampa Bay's wide receivers get up slow and grimace, and I'm like, you know what, this this is gonna be a long game, and all these schools want these multifaceted tacklers on the back end. That's what Grinch has got to figure. You can talk about the undersized D-line and putting guys on the move and whether to gap out or not gap out. you got to tackle on the back end. You mentioned a, a lot of coaches in the Big Ten, and we talk every day about how the Huskers can be players next year in the Big Ten. And why shouldn't we? They're making us believe, right? Uh, outside of the work the Huskers are doing in the portal, their 2023 draft class, is receiving national attention. ESPN ranked the top 75 teams, and Nebraska comes in at 27. Pretty solid for a program that just turned the page about two months ago. Yeah, them and Iowa are probably the two teams that are kind of off the radar, if you remember Mm -hmm. how the season ended, that are getting a lot of preseason. It's early, and Nebraska fans roll their eyes, and I get it. Listen, right. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to convince you that Nebraska is going to be anything. I just think this is one of those times where Coach Rule and this staff has garnered a ton of national respect. People like what they're doing, and they're getting a lot of uptick. And I see Iowa and a lot of top 20, top 15 polls in the way too early. And there's another team that I think is interesting in the Big Ten. That's Before you say it. They rank two spots higher than the Huskers in these recruiting ranks. Who is it? (laughs) You're about to say Michigan State. Yeah, getting a lot of preseason love. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting, right? Because I don't know. I mean, obviously, Wisconsin's got a ton of questions. New staff, new scheme. You know, Minnesota Minnesota has kind of revamped their staff. Iowa appears to kind of be intact. Illinois appears to, to be intact Mm -hmm. relatively northwestern makes changes two of them significant we go o-line oc that's big purdue makes changes purdue has made changes like i you want to not have and i'm the king of this so you know slap my hand if you want to i always say it's not about what other teams are doing it's it's about you like this ain't got nothing to do with anybody else this about us but I can't help but to think, with all these other teams in the West going through transitions, are we? could it really be right for the pickings? And i got to dial back. But you said something interesting about Nebraska defensively and getting a chance to spend a fair amount of time with Coach White. I, how can I say this? I feel like on paper, and you look at Nebraska defensively, where do you think, because you talked about M.J. Coleman earlier, right? Yeah, M.J. Where, Sherman. MJ, I yeah, said Malachi Coleman, Coleman and M.J. Sherman. It's <laughs> funny because I was just having a conversation with Malachi's mom right. yesterday, which was still on the front part which of my man, brain. Did you see I'll that get, speedy video? Sorry to get off topic. No, that's cool. That, that, I, I'm that cool video that. of him running yeah. one-on-one with the uh, what, USC five-star yeah. receiver. So I told you the position that is the, of, the most, is the, of the gravest concern to me. Do you remember what that position was defensively? Um, line. They well, they call them edge guys, right? They only had a couple of edge guys coming back. I think you said D line, right? Mm-hmm. 
What do you think concerns Coach White and that staff as you look at – what do you think they have the least amount of concern? Right now? Yeah. Uh, pass rushing now that they got Sherman. Boy, are you penciling him, man? I'm curious. I am. Because you so, – so you have him, I right? think we did that with Wynn last year coming out of Bama, and it just – what we did maybe, it with Mathis, maybe, and it maybe wasn't a little like bit, that. Right. Uh, so I think MJ Sherman, you have chief boarders, right, that you get out of the portal. You He's a Juco guy. Um, and then you have Henrich and Reimer coming back. I kind of like the secondary. Secondary is solid, too. And it was reassuring to hear Cooper say the same thing. I kind of – so I wonder, if you're Coach White, what position do you, do you focus on? I think you focus up front. I think you focus right at the line. So if I'm doing the staff breakdown right, he's got two guys on the D-line. He's got Dvorak, and a G- he's got another guy that mm-hmm. he likes at on the linebacking core. Does he go back in the secondary with Coop? Well, and you know, if here's a good point, and I think I know where your head's at. If you do play the traditional 3-3-5, and they could mix, it, mix and match, mm-hmm. but if you choose to put more players on the back end than you do the front end, then yes, I would agree with you. Because uh, now you're trying to manage more people, more things going on at once. You're going to want the extra support there. Yeah, and I, and I don't know, but I think if you ask me today, if I, if I said, hey, Coach White, where do you think you'll spend your time? I'm going to get – and it's, it's counterintuitive. Because you think, well, they got fellas, mm-hmm. I'll, so I will worry the least about the secondary. But in this defense, they have to have dogs. Like if those guys can't tackle, because of the five, you know you're going to get an extra free defender. He's got to be able to tackle. I, I would guess today he gravitates towards the secondary because it's the one position that didn't have multiple guys overseeing it. Right now it's just Coop. So, so that I'm basically just going by and process. And it's loaded. Like and I I'm said. just going by process of. And I think in that defense, I got to do some more homework. But I would think you'd have to coach safeties different than corners. Corners have to be their own guys in a 3 3 5. Mm hmm. I think. I mean, I'm watching TC. I watch a lot of these guys that play those odd. And it's like that for us, right? And we're just in high school and not near as complex. But. The safeties coach and the corners coach are different. So do you think that is in regards to, it, say, for example, you're, you're playing Michigan, right? McCarthy's throwing a ball over the top. Are you saying because when you, when you, put, when you load more people on the back end mm-hmm. in, in regards to corners that you want to coach the safeties to, to fill those holes, like play yes, over the top and but things yes, like that? Yes, because it's about run fits. Right. Yes. Okay. I, that's actually that's a- – yeah. That's absolutely why right. I want – because those guys have to be – they have to be able to fit in the run game to give yourselves a chance to be physical. Because if you're kind of on the move as a defense and you gap guys out like you're displaced mm-hmm. and you're always going to have a free rusher, you just have to figure out where they're coming from as yeah. an offense, the, the, the back end has to be able to fit in the run game. You may have convinced me. Because you don't need a lot of help up front. All you do is need to fill it with the guys that you want. And as I'm looking at the staff, he's got a couple of guys on D-line already. Right. And T. Knighton has got a ton of experience coaching D-line. He, he's an energy guy. Mm-hmm. 
I know he's got two guys on the second level. I'm just doing it by, I could, I, by process of elimination, like you said. Yeah, and I he could, started. And I he started as a secondary guy. I think that just. I think that right there, what you just said. So I would be buoying that though against. In. It's like life, right? You you neglect the variable because you feel like they'll be there. It's like at home. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of get away from taking care of home and you worry about work because work's the variable. And you figure, oh, home's home. I wonder, though, if he's worried about that second level, is that where he goes? Because they have the fewest bodies. Right. So do you go to be good and shore that up? Or do you go where you may be vulnerable and do that? Vulnerable seems like the right thing. I'll pick secondary. I I still think it could be line, but we'll talk more next.